midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome back to the Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegan and I have our co-host Logan Stump. How's it going? And Matt Hartgrove. I'm here. How's it going, everybody? Still good. It's going it's good. It's fantastic on my side. How you doing, Matt? Whatever, Logan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shut up. I'm going to kick you off the show. I was going to ask how your week was going, but we really just spoke on Friday, so I guess it's how was your weekend, Logan? It was long. It was good. All right, we got a lot of soccer in. That was always good. I always like weekends where I can get to watch yeah, a lot you of the were games off today. So you had a three day yeah. weekend. Yeah, no, I had a four day weekend. Really, I mean, we had a conference day, so like we were oh, working until like eleven or something like that, or noon. And then I had, you know, just ins and out emails I had to answer, but I was pretty much done quickly on friday so nice lucky and matt was off today and he was at a galaxy far far away uh how was your weekend matt (laughs) i'm you know besides uh hanging with the star wars buddies today got to uh got to uh, go to a, a cookie place that opened in disney but instead of waiting 11 hours like people did i waited about 20 minutes that is crazy (laughs) that's the original one too that that's only like 20 minutes north yeah i think i'll just go out of my way then and maybe go to the one near you if i (laughs) come down just skip the 12 hour wait especially in the summertime you know i'm assuming springs would be even more crowded than it is now um I only had a two-day weekend, so screw the rest of you guys. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. You're welcome. Um, took down the Christmas decorations finally. How'd that go? Was that exciting? Uh, no, it was strenuous. <laughs> and uh, Oscar you were trying. Christmas is over, right? Yes, yes. Oscar has kept trying to eat the plastic uh, leaves from our tree, uh, the little needles that fell off when I was taken down the tree. They're they're not that bad. They they taste a little bit stale, but some ketchup on them. I'll I'll take your word for it. Next time I'll just dip them in ketchup, let them go at it, and uh, hope he doesn't have any tummy issues. <laughs> um, I guess we can talk about soccer. Uh, I think me and Matt are not, you know, feeling it as much as Logan is uh, with how this is going. But I will say I am wearing my Seattle Sounders jersey and. Just some quick bit of news here. Uh, Swansea City is close to making it official, but they are 
looking to sign uh, Jordan Morris, U.S. men's national team and Seattle Sounders uh, forward, um, on a loan to Swansea. I don't know how long the loan is supposed to be or if he's going to make a move permanently. We've had in the past in the Premier League, like players like Landon Donovan come over in the January window and play for like a month or two and then come back before the MLS season starts. Uh, it sounds more like maybe it'd be more permanent, but um, if he impresses, I guess. But uh, yeah, so rocking a little bit of uh, some, you know, Swansea is it looking pretty good here uh, probably to get promoted. They have a good shot. So that would be, uh, that'd be pretty big. Uh, we do have some more U.S. men's national team players to talk about when we get to Chelsea Fulham. Uh, not in a positive light there. But first, let's start off with uh, Game of the Weekend. I'm going to say it. Wolverhampton Wanderers versus West Brom. Uh, West Brom 3, Wolverhampton 2. Uh, we got a penalty eight minutes in uh, that uh, Pereira scores. Uh Logan, I know you were up early watching this one. Uh, I was not able to catch it first thing, but I have watched, uh, you know, the extended highlights for it. What was your thoughts on this uh, eight-minute penalty? Because I know there was some controversy online if it was a penalty or not, because it is right on the line. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it was hard to tell for me. Like, it, I, I could have gone either way on it, really, when I was looking at it. I think that... I think it is deemed a foul, but I don't know how, you know, being that close to the box. Um, it kind of reminds me of like, well, I forget who was the match that there was like a continuation. It might have been United or somebody. It's been a few. Was- Dale Johnson's uh, thread points out there's been, I think, four other instances of this same exact, <laughs> same exact penalty right. this season, which is a very odd uh, case. It usually yeah. doesn't happen that frequently. I was going to say it's like in that in that area where I mean if if it's continuation of the box and it's an obvious penalty, um, so I guess it, I mean it's deemed a foul here, so it's it's got to be. But you know I could see where it's such a <laughs> again it's VAR and it's the use of you know how can we determine if this is the right call on the pitch and and what is the right call on the pitch. I think it's I don't know I don't know if the refs have gotten away from it or they don't understand it or the crowd's gotten or you know the people that are watching this don't understand the rules so it gets to a point where people just get really confused as to what exactly is the right call um because i know dale johnson's the one i go to whenever i see these kind of things yeah and and just kind of read his stuff because i think he's got a better understanding of the rule whereas i think other commentators their jobs are to comment on what they see and and i think oftentimes what they see is a lot different what the what the rules written so i think that's where you get a lot of this confusion um and obviously detrimental to teams like that and it's detrimental to refs because the refs are calling it by what they know is the law so i guess i don't know when i looked at it i I saw the same thing where it was i mean it was a penalty um but i could see the other side too it wasn't this one wasn't as like where i was like totally set i was like this could have gone either way but again i think it's a continuation into the box yeah, I agree. I think it was a penalty. It, it's very close. It's it, it's like really he's one of his feet just has to touch the line because uh, the line is part of the box uh, according to how they break this down. 
But uh, I think Dale Johnson should become a ref or a commentator. Like, geez, a whiz. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like we mentioned before in here with, um, you know, how all of these commentators always talk about clear and obvious, even in situations where the clear and obvious rule doesn't apply. It's like, why don't they know this? <laughs> why, why do I have to go on Twitter and find it out? Um so it is very frustrating. Uh, Do you think it would be helpful? Like, I know many of the commentators have mentioned it. I know, I think it was Carragher that said it, that it would be helpful if they kind of did what the NFL does and come on, at least on the screen or something like that, or one of the bar officials came on and said, you know, here's why this was called a penalty, and here's what we gathered from what the on-pitch ref said. I think it would definitely help clearing some of that up, because but didn't, uh, didn't the hand signals not enough. Say- didn't Carragher go on to say that, like, the one time he sat near it, there's not much conversation between the VAR right. and and the actual official. It's just kind of him going like, hey, mm-hmm. look at this. This is what it is. This is what needs to be called. And he goes, okay. Like, isn't that, like, similar to what – isn't that what he said with it? Yeah, but I, – so I... – I know, like, in the U.S., during the MLS back tournament, they did play the exchanges between them, and they they were talking quite a bit, actually. But FIFA or UEFA, I think it was FIFA, put a kibosh on that pretty quickly. They said that they didn't want that to be broadcasted. And for whatever reason, uh, even us over here in the U.S. can't broadcast our own leagues, refs talking to each other which is stupid but maybe if they just even had instead of him just like you know once they're done the review they make the box signal and then they wave it off or whatever or point to it maybe even just like logan said if they stand in the center of the field or whatever and have a mic on like the refs do and say you know with the hand signal, like we reviewed it, just like NFL does. Like they do the hand signal, and then they also say it. But like we, you know, like they do the boxing. We reviewed it. You know, after review, the foul was right on the line of the box. It's a penalty, and you know what they're looking at. Or they say it. It wasn't clear enough if it is, so we have to go with the. You know, like it. The same thing with stands, confirms, all that kind of stuff. If they could just say it, then then we don't have to have these people. Because the refs never come out and give interviews later either, you know, like... I don't even think the players know why a call was made. Right, so if they could just say that, then the players can probably accept it a bit. They might still disagree with it, but at least they know what they're coming, what it's coming from, I guess, instead of... And more importantly, the TV audience needs to know clearly without... Like, like we had with the, um, with the Virgil van Dyke incident where... What, Dale Johnson was told one thing wasn't reviewed and looked at, and then somebody else came out and asked the VAR ref, and they said that was looked at? It's like, just clear it up right well, on the I was, field. I was actually going to say, they um, with the Van Dyke, Michael Oliver, who was the official that day, came out, I think it was, I think before we recorded last week, and basically said, yeah, we we got it completely wrong. And he, I, it doesn't, he doesn't specifically say this was one of the reasons, but he basically he almost implies that because the players weren't like going, hey, that's a red, or like kind of pleading with him to give a red, that that was part of the reason they didn't even look at if it was a red. Like he even came out and said it should have been a red card, like he should have been sent off, which 
three months later, I, not exactly what you want to. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, it's not what I no, want to like wake well, up reading. It's not what you want to like, hear as even as not Liverpool fan because it's like we, the player shouldn't have to appeal, right? That yeah, was like one of the big arguments. Like we shouldn't have to be <laughs> appealing, and basically, basically, VAR never looked at if it was a red card because the entirety of it was was he off sides and once he was off sides they were like oh it doesn't matter anymore like they never really even made an attempt and he basically came out saying you know what we messed that up like we should have looked at it even we should have looked at two separate offenses offside and whether or not that was a dangerous play and he said it would have been a red card and it's like great now you know that right there that changes that entire game i know like van dyke still hurt but you know the goalkeeper gets a red card you are it's gonna be an interesting game when you're down a man with your backup goal like it it would have been a completely different game but it it's a little frustrating to hear three months later and you don't even normally get that you don't get the ref coming out and saying stuff like that that's very rare but he came out and said it and it's like you know what like at this point (laughs) i don't i almost don't want to hear it right at this point it's too late just move on but the the thing where that always falls apart for me with the well he was offside so it stops is they red card people when the game's over sometimes you know like if, if once the clock expires and if people start throwing a like start fighting i've seen red cards issued for that that it's like okay so does it really matter then if it was offsides because at this point the game's already over so does that matter now you know like it, that doesn't really make any sense um Back to the West Brom game here. Fabio Silva, uh, 18-year-old for Wolverhampton, top record signing, uh, scores a goal to make it 1-1. And then Willie Boley scores to make it 2-1. He's the one that also gave up the penalty. Um, Let me just say here, uh, (laughs) when it comes to uh, these goals these two here, this shows why West Brom is at the bottom and given up 41 goals and negative 27 goal differential. These are both just terrible, terrible uh, defense. You know, like, they're not getting the ball out of the box. They're, they just look nervy, and it just... that That's what I see from it. What, what do you think, Logan, is... I think this is why West Brom is going to constantly, they win today or the other day, but I I feel like they're not going to be able to get out of their way with the way that they defend sometimes. Yeah. I mean, when they played against city, I know when they played against Liverpool, it was the same thing. They, they get sick they had to get six back back there to just, you know, even clear it sometimes. And there are times where it just looks like they're just hoping that they get goals. Cause I don't think that they really understand how to, go about getting them in a way that, you know, a lot of these teams do. I think other teams are much more creative, but you're right. I think it's it's much more of, like, clearance issues. I mean, every time Wolves put it in, it seemed like, okay, that's going to come rattling out of here. But then it gets into the one of the, you know, they kick it into one of the attackers or they get it out, but it goes right back to the Wolves players. It's like, you know, I, I, they're just playing on their half of the field all the time, and, and that can't be successful. And I know um, Big Sam will be um, – happy to try to save them from relegation, but I don't see how their defense can withstand. I mean, that's a lot of goals they've given up so far. I I just don't see how they're going to be a team that's going to shuffle their way out of relegation at this point. They they just can't defend. 
Uh, Matt, any thoughts on uh, West Brom's uh, defensive troubles here this season? I don't really have any thoughts on them at the moment, other than what we've kind of been mentioned before. But I was going to say, I do apologize to all the fans and, and to Logan uh, for putting the game on. Because once I, I started watching Logan's text of, this game is really exciting. Nothing happened after I uh, I started watching it. <laughs> I woke yeah, up all the, the goals day. were in the first it 56 was. minutes. <laughs> I woke up and I saw Logan's text and I was like, oh yeah. Like, oh, okay, I'll it go check it out. Was. <laughs> yeah, you um, killed it. No, other than that and the fact that Sam Allardyce kind of looks like a, a villain fish. Um, I don't know. He just kind of looks like a if you had like a mob movie with a bunch of fish. I feel like Sam Allardyce would be a great villain to like take, like take the appearance of. I don't know. He looks like a mob boss. Um, we do have two uh, two more goals to talk about. Fifty second minute, fifty six minute. Uh, so Ajayi scores for West Brom to make it 2-2 and then another penalty this one's pretty clear for me like he gets kicked twice uh in the box and prayer steps up and scores again to make it 3-2 and gets West Brom a much needed win actually they're up to 11 points that's only one behind Fulham though Fulham has a game in hand they're five points behind Burnley who has a game in hand uh, to get out of the relegation zone. So it's only their second win of the season, though. So uh, don't keep your uh, hopes up if you're a West Brom fan. Uh, moving on to the second game here, we had Brighton versus Leeds. Malpay scores a uh, pretty good buildup here for Brighton to make it 1-0 over them, over Leeds. And uh, they hold Leeds to no goals, which is a pretty rare Day for Leeds. Leeds had 67% of the possession, but each team had seven shots uh, with the one goal going in. Leeds started off the season pretty good. They're still okay. They're in 12th place. Actually, Crystal Palace is below them at this point. Wolves are now below Leeds. Um, so while it feels like, you know, they're kind of hot and cold at times, they only have a negative four goal differential. They have seven wins two draws and nine losses, but uh, they're still hanging on uh, pretty well. And the fact is they actually have a game in hand over Palace and Wolves. So Wolves have fallen a lot recently, ever since the Raul Jimenez injury, really. Um, Matt, any thoughts here on uh, Leeds? I'll let, I'll let Logan tackle the Brighton side of things. <laughs> Um, you know, it, they're just, they, they need to start they, trying to think of the best way to put it. They need to figure out a way to adjust in, in my mind, because yeah, what they're doing ha is, is exciting, but at the same time, they're such an all or nothing team. They're either going to go out and lose or they're going to win like three, four nil. But in the moments where they're in one of these games where they're not scoring, I, I, I honestly, I think Liverpool have a bit of an issue with this too, but they're, they're not making enough in-game adjustments to, to change their attack. And 
Honestly, I, I'm I am shocked that they lost to Brighton. I, I wouldn't have pegged them for for that. I know Logan loves Brighton, um, so maybe he saw something that I didn't. Um, but you know they're not they're not that impressive. I, I I'm gonna say it. I don't think Leeds are that impressive. Yeah, they have games where they score a ton of goals, but it seems like they have more of these types of games where they either lose or they lose by a lot. That you just kind of go, are they really that much better? than the other relegation battle teams and the only difference between them is yeah they score more goals but they also give up way more. they also give up more goals because of how they play and you know you there's always been that bl's a i don't think it's like a curse but he his teams have a, a tendency to run themselves down and in a year where there's so many games back to back is that is that gonna start a little bit earlier because a lot of people I know there's been like a something on Twitter where somebody was like the COVID kind of helped them because it allowed the team to to kind of rest and then when they got back they were able to continue their form but they're not probably going to get that this year. So could it be a situation where Leeds not only continues to just be very bland not bland I guess but like is our Leeds results going to be consistently below what you would expect to the point where they're going to start losing game after game and end up battling relegation with, you know, West Brom and Fulham. I, I don't think it's likely at the moment, but that's the path they they seem to be going on. I, I take the hard disagree there. I think they are that much better than the relegation teams. I mean, they're 11 points better than the relegation teams as it stands right now. So, uh, I don't think they can really get roped into it all that much because I can't see Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield getting on that big of a run. Uh, Logan, I, see Fulham. I, I actually could see Fulham, but I, I agree with the West Brom and Sheffield. Logan, we have uh, news about Lamptey. He he signed a new deal. Uh, Brighton got a much-needed win. They needed this win because it put them up to 17 points. Uh, if you take three points away from that, they would be at 14, which would be just two above Fulham and only three above West Brom. So they got a little bit more cushion than they had before. How do you feel about your uh, your Seagulls? Yeah, my boys. Um, best kits in all of Premier League. Um, and it looks even better on the five foot four little guy. Uh, but no, I think uh, the, the biggest thing that I take away from them playing well is, and they played really well against City. I, I think a big thing for them that they... I know Graham Potter spoke to it after the game, but they talk, he talked about the fact that it might be even better for them to, you know, less is more kind of thing. They do much better, I think, with out possession. I think they're a team that, that does a much better job because they, they play that four uh, midfield and then they play three in the back. But Ben White back there, he drops back into a defensive role often, and so does Lamptey and them. But, you know, he's got those two wing backs that are really good, um, that are good at, you know, dropping back and Sully March and them. Um, so I think that them playing with less possession is key to what they do because I think that the, the less they have the ball, the more threatening they are because I think they, they do get organized pretty well defensively. And, think, and I think it's just you know a matter of Malpig getting out there and getting goals because I think that when he struggles, uh, you're not really going to find goals from other people. I know Trissard has struggled some lately, um, but I, I think that they're, they're definitely looking up. I don't know how much longer... Um, They'll be down there. I don't feel like they're a team that's going to hang out down there with the relegation teams. I think they're a lot better than Burnley and them. 
um, especially if Malpe started to score more. Um, because I think at the beginning of the season, they played pretty well. Um, so maybe this contract with Lamptey and, and the way that they're playing now, um, I, I think they're starting to find their style again to where I do think they'll start to float up towards 14 or 15 and, and stay there most, you know, most of the season because I'm not sure they're better than the other teams above them. All right. Um, let's see here. The next game that we had was West Ham 1, Burnley nil. So Burnley do not get um, any points again here uh, as they kind of hang Thursday out. When they put up a defensive masterpiece against <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> I'm calling that one now. Nine minutes in, Mikel Antonio scores uh, a, a good uh, header to get West Ham the win, a win that uh, puts them up to ninth place. They have 29 points total out of 18 games, uh, as everybody in this league has between 15 to 19 games. Um, so it gets a little crazy. It's getting a little crazy with how everything is Did falling. You know Arsenal's game today was game 19 for them. I did not realize that they were ahead. Yes, they are. Uh, yes, they are ahead. They are. It's them, uh, Wolves, and Crystal Palace, and Brighton, and Sheffield. I think here that have all nineteen so far. Um, not much to say about the West Ham game, really. Burnley, you know, they're they're four points above relegation right now. They have two games in hand out of the so they've only played 17 fulham's only played 17 west brom's only played 18 um so everybody but sheffield and brighton in that group right there of the final like six teams or final five teams have played uh less than 19 so we'll see how that shakes up the relegation zone uh but uh fulham who's also in the relegation zone, faced off against Chelsea. Uh, Fulham's been playing pretty well this year against big teams, though. You know, really holding teams to a lot of draws, um, like the 1-1 draw with uh, with Tottenham. They had a Southampton draw. They drew with Newcastle. They drew with Brighton. They've drawn with... Didn't they drew with, uh, draw with uh, Liverpool? You bet. Um, <laughs> so standout player results are draws if you actually want to... <laughs> standout, standout player for Fulham in the first half was Anthony Robinson the US men right back until he made a very stupid challenge on Azpilicueta and gets a straight red card which he looked pretty shocked by and I've seen a lot of people say that's not a red card, but I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I think that's pretty clear. I think, <laughs> I think the only thing I think the only thing people I was to say it was bad, but he didn't. There is bits and pieces that make it look like he didn't really hit Aspilicueta like really hard. Like there wasn't a lot of contact between the two of them. I think Aspilicueta actually jumped out of most of it. They, he definitely hit him, but not to the extent that it, it almost seemed. So I think he was maybe a little shocked, but at the same time, he came in so hard and late yes. that whether there was contact or not. And like, studs up. Yeah. So like 
yeah, he didn't really hit him, and it did kind of look a little theatrical from Azpilicueta, but you can't go in that late, that hard, legs up, like studs up, you're going to get a red card, and I don't even think it was a hard bar check either. No, it was very short uh, check, too. Um not much to say about this game. At this point, the whole squad is out of form because, you know, we were all calling, Chelsea fans were all calling for a Pulisic, Giroud, Zayek front three. Um, and that didn't really do much difference uh, either. So um, I, I do think, though, you know, Werner comes in in like the 75th minute. There was a few passes to him from Pulisic and other players that he doesn't hit. And, uh, I mean, and I remember the one against, uh, I forget what team it was, that Pulisic put him through on that he missed too. I mean, so Pulisic's stats, Zayek's stats, you know, everybody's stats don't look great. But if some of these strikers finish those chances, uh, Chelsea would have a lot more assists uh, to spread out here and the stats would look a lot better, but we're just not scoring, you know, they're just not putting the ball into the back of the net. Uh, you know, Matt knows all about that with Liverpool at the moment, <laughs> but, um, yeah. at this rate, this is just who Chelsea is. I think, I, I do think when we get to Liverpool that they will come out of it at some point because there's just so much more, talent that's proven in the Premier League of scoring while a lot of these players don't have that pedigree here when we look at like Werner, Havertz, um, even Zayek. I mean, he had some good plays before. Since his injury, he's come back. He hasn't been as sharp. That's probably something to do with the injury, I would think. Uh, Fulham had some chances even after going down a man. Uh, though Chelsea had 21 shots and only put one away. That's Mason Mount, uh, Lampard Jr., uh, scoring there in the 78th minute. And uh, that's all I really say about that on my end here. Logan, what was any of your takeaways if you uh, got a chance to see any of this or the highlights? Yeah, I kind of feel bad for calling Chelsea a really good team now. Um and it's not really, I mean, I don't think it's really much of the team besides the fact that they don't have anybody up top that's really threatening at all. I mean, Werner, I don't know, watching him, he just looks so uncomfortable now. He looks so, un, I mean, at first, when I remember first watching him, he, he would burst out and he'd be off sides often. But, I, I mean, he looked like somebody that was willing to score. Now he looks like he's just hesitant to start his runs. He looks hesitant to get anywhere near the ball at the end of, you know, in the box on the end of one of those passes. It just, I mean, honestly, I think Giroud looks the best out of all of them when he's been in there and up top. I mean, I don't get... I get trying to get Werner out of his funk, but man, I between Werner and sometimes Tammy Abraham just looks lost too. Um, it, it scares me because then you send me over that stupid article about uh, Halan <laughs> being looked at. I'm like, God, if if one of them would just start playing well, they would leave him alone. Um, no, they wouldn't. Again, I, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> that's Are true. You kidding me? Chelsea likes Chelsea likes to spend a lot too, but um, even if we sent them out to Vitesse for a year. True. Or three. Yeah, yeah. you get Mbappe and Holland because, you know, Chelsea likes money. Um, yes. But I think that, you know, the more you look at it, they do need a very dominant striker. And I don't think they've found one um, in Werner. And, I, 
you know, he could be really good in a year or two when he maybe gets some confidence back. But you start getting into like that thought of like Gabriel Jesus kind of thing where they thought he was the next coming of Jesus, honestly, um, play on name, but uh, he wasn't. And now he's a number two at best. And I think you're looking at that same kind of thing with Werner. And I think you're looking at if he gets on this spell of, you know, one and a half years, two years where he's struggled to do much, he will slowly start to fade into the background. And I'm not sure where the hell Havertz has been. Um, every time I watch, it doesn't seem like he's even existent. So it, it Usually it's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of scary because all that money. But I mean, Zayek was a good, I think he's probably the best one, which is shocking. I don't think out of that group, you'd have plucked him out as being the best one. But I think that he's probably the best. Um, and you're right, Jordan. I think him and Pulisic create so much. It, it's hard to ridicule them because what, what are they supposed to do? You know, are they supposed to score? Because that's not really their title. They're supposed um, to pass it and then be on the other end of it right. and hit it in as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and it's tough because it's like, you know, where, where is anybody that can get on the end of those? And it doesn't seem like anybody uh, besides those two are ever going to do it. So it, they're a mess. I don't, I don't know. But they're, I think they I actually have more confidence right now in them than I do Liverpool. So I don't know. It's a weird, it's a really weird uh, year. The, the frustrating thing about it, too, is, you know, we were talking about this. I think we were talking about this off the air or last on Friday, or maybe we talked about it on the show. But when we were talking about like Mo Salah and Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Victor Moses and all these players that Chelsea have signed, Lukaku, um, that don't get really a fair shake and then get sent out. If, like, like I think it said, like, what, De Bruyne had three appearances, probably, like, one in the actual yeah. league. Uh, yeah. Salah, I think, had one in the actual league, maybe a few cups or whatever, three appearances. And we were already <laughs> ready to call them flops and ship them out. But I see a lot of Chelsea fans trying to say, you know, like, oh, Werner will come good, he'll come good. Maybe he will, but how long do you give it if you're Frank? Because your job is now dependent on how the season turns out. So obviously that's why he started playing Giroud and other players. But even as a board, you know, like as the board and as the owner, like how long do you give it where you're like, you know what? Maybe we loan him out like we did with De Bruyne and, uh, and other players and... Maybe not sell them yet. Maybe put them on loan, have them build confidence, bring them back, you know? Like, maybe that's what you have to do. Or maybe it's just not going to work out here. Um, That happens sometimes. There's players that go to a team that doesn't work out. Look at Jovic, right? For, uh, he went to, um, uh, he went to Madrid, right? Then he goes from Frankfurt, and he's going back to Frankfurt. He scored two goals for Real Madrid, and he just scored two goals in 28 minutes when he went back to Frankfurt. I mean, sometimes this is not going to work somewhere, and uh, maybe that's the case here. It may not be. Maybe he'll come good here at the stretch. You know, we got more than half the season left, but at this rate, I'm just not sure how it's going to happen. Like you said, he, he doesn't even his body language doesn't even look good anymore. You know, he did start off the season well, and it was just waiting for him to actually finish one. And then he did. And then who knows, right? I mean, I always point out that it seems like when he went to that international window and and lost, uh, and Germany lost to Spain like 6 0, 
I, you know, we had an Instagram comment say that would not be the case because he's, you know, he's not the reason why they lost six nothing. Sure, but I, I mean, I think sometimes that stuff could play on the mind, and or you know, maybe he thought he would have more goals by now, and he is having trouble because I mean, really, he had like what four goals maybe pretty early in the season. Yeah, it was really early because he was um, up there fighting with some of the top scorers. Yeah, and then it just fell apart. So I, I don't know what else it would be at that rate. It's not like lack of confidence. He he scored, and then it since then it's been nothing. And not really sure what else. And he just scored against. I know it was like Morecambe or Morecambe or whatever. And I get I get that's a low load. I get it's a low division team, but sometimes that's all a striker needs: putting the ball in the back of the net and then being able to to get that going, but that's just not the case right now. He's just doesn't, he looks lost and I don't know how to fix it. And I don't know if Frank knows how to fix it. And I don't think Werner knows how to fix it. Um, Matt, any thoughts on Chelsea or Fulham on this end here? Or not, I guess. Oh yeah, I, I didn't have anything to add. You guys, okay, <laughs> you guys covered it all. I was like, okay, did we lose him? Uh, Leicester two, Southampton nil. James Madison scores thirty-seven minutes in, and then ninety plus five minutes. Harvey Barnes scores. It's a good result for Leicester. That moves them uh, or keeps them. They're up the third. They're tied on points with Man City now, and they're above Liverpool. They have a game in uh, City has a game in hand though, even even with the points being level there. Um, Leicester, I mean, that's who Chelsea has next. I'm not feeling very confident about that game. That game is tomorrow, Tuesday, probably the day you're listening to this. Uh, just not feeling so great about that one. So. Um, not much to say there. Uh, Southampton's in eighth place, which is, you know, right below Chelsea, even on points with Chelsea, just less goal differential. Um, any thoughts at all on, on that game, Logan? Uh, the one thing I will add, James Madison, it seems like every time I watch him, he's, he's, had, he's had a really good year. He's got five goals, two assists, 16 matches. And, you know, he's scoring quite a bit for a midfielder. For attacking midfielder, it seems like he's on every end of that ball. That, that I mean, he's placed nice passes to set up goals, and he, he's just sort of a nice job. And I think Leicester actually are a team that, without Chelsea in the picture and Liverpool trending down, uh, they could put up a fight for top four. I think it's pretty reasonable to think they'll finish at least top four. So it'll be interesting to watch. Harvey Barnes too has had a good season. One assist and six goals yeah, in seventeen matches for Leicester. He's been pretty good this season for them matt any thoughts at all on on lester or uh southampton i was actually gonna slightly disagree with logan in terms of um well actually i guess maybe both in a sense like i actually i don't see them performing very well against chelsea and my reasoning is that yeah they they played really well against some bottom tier teams and then they got lucky they got city at the start where city was all out of sorts I think what they scored five goals against City and City's only given up like twelve all yeah. year. So I don't that's kind of a that's just like a blip game, um in, in my head about that one. But 
they don't tend to perform that great against the more top tier teams. They they had to get a late goal to they had to come back twice against United to get a draw. They played awful against Liverpool. And and to be fair, that Liverpool's I think eighteen games this year, I can only name you maybe three or four where they actually played, I would say, up to their potential, and that was one of them. Um, their game against Everton, I know they lost to Everton. Um, I, I, I don't see them as a team. They're, they're good at, it's almost like a reverse of what Rodgers was at Liverpool. Rodgers at Liverpool played really well against top teams and then had the worst struggles he ever could against the bottom teams. And now with Leicester, it seems a little opposite where they get their bulk of their their victories here, it feels like, against lower teams. But then the moment they have to play one of these top, you know, five, six, seven teams, they're struggling to get a draw slash put in a, a, just a poor performance. And, you know, Chelsea might not be in that area standings-wise, but they're, it's almost like it's the name and not where they're at in the standings. And for some reason, they still can't perform in their bigger rivalry matches than they can against, you know, a Fulham or a Sheffield or a Leeds, you know. And I, that's where I, I, if they don't get a good result out of this Chelsea game, that's where I'm still going to be thinking about them in that manner because in a sense of where these two teams are, Leicester should be handling Chelsea, I wouldn't say simply, but it, it should be a game where at the end you go, well, that was Leicester deserving to win. But I don't think it's going to go that way. And I think, if anything, Chelsea get the win, or it's it's just a fought, a hard fought draw. They just they seem to struggle against these kind of teams. I mean, I'm looking at their fixtures. I guess I can kind of see what you mean. But they did draw against Manchester United and beat Tottenham as well. So I I don't know. I think with the way that they're playing in their last few games here. Um, and the way Chelsea's looked, I, I I would say I if we were doing predictions, I would probably predict Leicester to win uh, tomorrow or at least get a draw. I, I don't there's think not, Chelsea has enough firepower yeah. at this point. There's not like really any. <laughs> if you look at the their form of the last five, like I'm looking at it on FOTMOM, and it's got like the green stuff. I mean, there's what three teams that no four teams that light up the green. It's United City. Leicester, and then if you had scroll it down to Arsenal, um, with everybody in between them who are in those three to you know seven, three to eight, three to nine, that it's those are some bad teams right now. I mean, Liverpool looks horrible. Tottenham had can't they can't score without Kane scoring. Everton up and down, up and down. Chelsea looked awful. Southampton hasn't played well. West Ham is just there as an anomaly, I think. And then Arsenal finally started to play well. So I think it. You know, when you look at Leicester, they haven't really played. I mean, they played City in that weird game, and they did draw against United. I mean, you're looking at really bad teams, and I think this might be historically the best run at the title. I think there's not a team in the whole bunch that's going to run away with it. So I think, you know, that's where my thing with Leicester came in. I don't think you have to be a, you know, four or five win team every five games or whatever it is now as long as you can pick up if if you do what matt said right there and, and beat the small teams or the teams that are not considered the top six that's like f- what 14 other teams if you beat them 
you know, t- once each and then draw like the next half of them. Uh, I mean, there's more lower teams than there are big six teams where you could conceivably, I don't know how, I, I don't know the stats on this. I would be curious actually. You could conceivably win the title without having to beat one of the top six teams because that's only 12 games. Um, but again, I don't know the stats on how, like, I, w- I want to know. I wish we could see that. I don't know how to check that. Like, has there been a title winner in the history of the whole first division in the Premier League that has won the league without being, like, good against other top teams that that would be an interesting stat because i think mathematically you could but that would be really bad luck to not ever be able to you know like get one over on the good teams but just clean up on the bad teams um moving on let's get uh let's get this out of the way matt liverpool nil manchester united nil uh, from what I saw of the game here near the end, I only got to catch the last, you know, like 15 minutes of the game. Manchester United had tons of chances to, to put this one away here. Um, that I, if I was a United fan, I'd actually be disappointed that we didn't get the win, but, uh, nil, nil, still a good result. Uh, it's keeps them top of the league right now by two, but if city pick up that, you know, game in hand, then they will be one point above United, but, uh, just give us your thoughts and feelings, uh, on how this game played out and Liverpool as a whole and their current form. God, it played out like every game recently. <laughs> um, so and, and you're right, Jordan. Like in the last 10, 15 minutes, it it was more united. However, that the first 70, 75 minutes were very Liverpool heavy. Um, united really didn't have, besides one free kick by Fernandez, I can't like in my head think of a very good chance because most of the time they just kept losing the ball, and it's it's very consistent with Liverpool's games recently where. Liverpool are heavy in possession. They actually win the ball back fairly well. The defense actually holds up really well. Besides, really, when you look at the only goals they've given up in this string of struggles, it was a a corner kick that West Brom got in off the post. And then you have the the poor, like, defense Trent had against Ings in the second minute where Ings lofted it over Allison, which was just a great finish by a striker who's who's really good. Um, So they haven't they've been playing well enough on the defensive end to the point where they're actually in the top five in defense now. Um, And if you take out the two games that Adrian started, they would, I believe be tied with city in terms of goals given up because of the other 16, they've, they've actually played really well defensively in terms of not giving up goals, but it, it's just, it's the same thing over and over again. And, and to be fair, it's, been the same way most of the year where they they play really heavy heavy metal very attack minded the first about 10-15 minutes and if they don't get a goal it's almost like by the time you reach that 15-20 minute mark it's it's like they ran out of ideas and now they have to resort back to cycling it between left and right getting maybe a pass in the middle 
getting it back out to left and right, cross it in, and really there's nobody in there that's going to meet the end of a cross when there's, you know, three people and it's Firmino, Mane, and Salah in the middle against seven defenders who are generally taller than all three of them. Um, because honestly, like, the, it, you know, teams do sit back very a lot. You know, they sit back a lot against Liverpool. And I think the thing that they're struggling with is they just aren't without Van Dyke, people are starting to notice one, the defensive line is not as high as it once was because you can't with with two midfielders playing center back. Um, they're having to keep Robertson and Trent back a little bit more. And so their their attack does not flow the same way it, it has. The reason they need to score an early goal is that scoring the early goal makes the other team Besides West Brom, West Brom were the only team to just sit back even down by a goal. Without scoring the early goal, teams won't have to really attempt at trying to get the one to to tie, which is usually where Liverpool can get you on the counterattack, score another few, and that's what they did against Palace. They scored a very early goal. Palace opened up to try to get one back, and Liverpool hurt them on it, and then they eventually just everything started going in, and, and that's what happened with Leicester, and that's what happened with Wolves. But then if, if they just don't get something early or they give up something early, it's just such a bad – it's a bad way for the game to go for them because without players like Van Dyke and Gomez and even Matip in the back, their entire team is very spread out to a sense where they can't link play like they used to. Or they can't send players like they used to. And I don't know <laughs> – until Jota, uh, Jota comes back, which I'm not even sure how much he's going to change things right now. I guess I just don't see it. I don't. I I'm putting it out there right now. When we talk the next time, their game against Burnley, it's going to be, you know, Liverpool are going to maybe get a goal, and I they're going to have to win the game one nil because I I don't see them doing anything different. And Burnley are a tall team. Liverpool don't have any tall players right now, so. I don't feel like they're much of a threat on corners either. Van Dyke was obviously Van Dyke and Matip are two of their biggest center backs in terms of corners and threatening to score goals. And when you don't have that, their corner kicks are very bland. You don't really assume anything. It's just they're really it it's odd because their defensive record before Van Dyke went out was bad. But since he went out, their defensive record's been great. But you can see where Van Dyke and Gomez and Matip, just two of those three being healthy, would completely change this attack. And I, I think losing them has actually hurt the the team more on the attacking phase than it, it has defensively. See, this is where I feel like you, you got to have something different on your bench to be able to bring in here. I know I've talked about it before, but a player like Diego Costa they, or, or somebody that, you know, kind of do. I, I know he's not the big name, but Divac Origi is the complete opposite of everything Klopp's Liverpool teams are because he is not press heavy. He is a target man who needs to be in the middle and you need to throw in the, you know, you need to pass in corners and he can head the ball in on, um, you know, any type of cross. He's very different. Um, from what Liverpool do, but when he comes in, it's still it, it's it's just so hard to get across to meet with somebody when teams have 
you know, six players in there and United are tall. McTominay is tall. McGuire is tall. Lindelof was tall. Like there was, he came on and even then it's still just, you can't start him because he's, he doesn't link play up very well, but the, it, it's, they need to be able to move the ball in the middle and quicker. And the problem is, is that they just don't have it. Yeah, I'm looking here. I mean, he's only made four appearances this season, though, and each one is like uh, two of the games he appeared for a minute, and then in, against Fulham he appeared for six, and against Manchester United he only appeared for five. So, like, I don't know. I feel I, I feel like that's asking a lot for him to make some sort of impact or for them to, uh, you know, be able to suit the way that he needs to be played within only like a five minute span in order to get him that goal. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't think he's really the answer anyway. But I think if you had more talent, uh, like a better target forward, uh, that you could put in with seventy in the seventy fifth minute, seventieth minute, that might be able to help. You know, change something. It might. Uh, you know, it might help. It's the same way that like Chelsea, like Werner and uh, Giroud are very different. Um players and you know being able to try to switch those sometimes when something is not working is is beneficial uh, at times i mean um like when Werner wasn't scoring and they put in Giroud and he would go went on that tear where he scored a few goals recently um i don't know i, I think that might be something that liverpool has to look at into the off season to be able to have plan b you know, because if Plan A is not working, something needs to change uh, against those teams that are just sitting back. Um, that's what was so special about Drogba. You know, like for Chelsea, uh, Drogba, even when he wasn't starting, when he came back a few times to Chelsea, and he's older. Uh, you know, being that guy that can just, you know, not only was he a good striker, but he was also just really good at heading the ball too. Just coming out of nowhere with a powerful header that puts it in when you have a set piece, you know, I, I feel like with Liverpool, you know, like, and some teams just in general where they rely on the, uh, the defenders to, to be able to do that. Um, you know, sometimes it pays to have a player uh, that, that's kind of like a specialist at that, that can kind of come off the bench or, you know, can rotate in instead of being, you know, I, it always makes me upset when managers give a player a minute or two in the game. It's like, that's not enough to even make a difference, to be honest. Um, I know a lot of times it's like time-wasting shenanigans that managers pull, but... Um, Manchester United, still top of the league. Uh, they have a chance to actually become not top of the league with Manchester City if, if whenever that game in hand is played... Um, where Manchester City can leapfrog them. I mean, they could leapfrog them technically this upcoming game if Manchester United somehow lose. I think they have Fulham coming up. Fulham plays big teams pretty well recently. But um, not much to really say for United. Uh, they've had three wins in their last five matches. They're all the way up to first. They're kind of overperforming what a lot of people expected this season. Logan, let's let's give this Manchester United part to you here as they're your rivals and now you're only two points behind with a game in hand. How are you feeling about Manchester United at top? Do you think City can overcome them? 
how do you feel? Well, I, I'm uh, just speaking back to like when they played him Carabao, they played pretty good lineups. I mean, lineups they normally play Premier and City handled them pretty soundly this time around. Um, last time it was just not very fun to watch at all. Um, but no, I feel I feel much better them sitting there than a really hot Liverpool. <laughs> um, definitely easier to catch, I think. I think that I think Pep feels like they're, they're the better team now. I, I think they're probably deserving of that number one, especially the way they defend. But um, United, I, I do feel good where we are positioned with them. I mean, I know they win games and they just tend to find ways to win. But I, I do feel that you know there there might be some realization that they're not as good uh, i think what you said is pretty accurate i think uh overperform is right about where they are right now i just when bruno fernandez is quiet the the whole team seems to be really quiet um which should be kind of shocking i know pogba on sunday yeah oh he was horrible and, and pogba's played pretty well so that's kind of made up for some of the stuff that he's missed but when fernandez isn't going it's it's ugly because it, there's just nothing in that middle that's going to create anything because Pogba has just been stagnant ever since you know the beginning of the year. But I think the last two or three games he's played pretty well. I know he got a goal in one of them. And so again, I think City feel like they've got him in their grasp, um, much much less scary than when a Liverpool team's playing pretty well because at least I feel like we can catch United. I'm not sure if Liverpool had been playing well that City would have caught him. So uh, before we get to Manchester City, Sheffield United faced off against Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham won 3-1 to one to get back kind of on uh, track here. They did beat Leeds uh, early January. They beat Brentford in a cup match. They beat um, Marine in a cup match. They drew with Fulham, but here they are with another win. Uh, Serge Aurier uh, scores five minutes in. Harry Kane with a very uh, weird goal <laughs> where like he falls afterwards, you know, just kind of like a tight window to score that uh, 40 minutes in. And then in Dombele, 62 minutes in, uh, there was a McGoldrick goal in the 59th minute. Uh, he now has five goals on the year with one assist. Do we think that, uh, you know, if Sheffield goes down, which is looking pretty lightly, likely, can uh, David McGoldrick make a team that's in the Premier League better? How about you, Matt? Do you think Liverpool. McGoldrick can make Liverpool? You said five goals. Oof. <laughs> He's got five goals this five season. Five goals right now. <laughs> on a team that doesn't score, that's actually a pretty good amount. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I watched them enough to fully have a guaranteed opinion on some of their players. I. He does see. He seems to be one. He's one that I, I tend to hear a lot about. John Fleck, I hear a lot about, um, and he he always kind of impresses me. I think he's a midfielder. Their whole formation, I, I'm never really fully certain. Um, I'm not. Just, they play like I didn't even know Ampadu was was a midfielder. I thought he was a center back, uh, and maybe you know more about him than I do, Jordan, because he's one of the many Chelsea uh, lone lone guys. But I. Maybe he could. I mean, five goals for a relegation side is is actually pretty decent. You know, if you put him on someone like a Brighton, uh, a team like Burnley, I'm sure they could use anybody who is a well-known goal scorer. So I, I don't think he I, – I think he's somebody that could definitely benefit a team. 
Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think I, ha- I watch him enough to go. He would definitely make him better, but I think he's one of those guys that probably couldn't hurt to have off the bench for a team that battles, you know, between the, the areas of 15 to 20 every, every season barely makes it. They're always looking for goals. So you get a guy that can do it, you take it. Logan, how about you? Uh, do you think McGoldrick, uh, he has 33, mind, uh, can uh, make a team better at uh, next season if he does uh, force a move or they decide to cut him due to, um, you know, th- they always sell off players at the end here. Uh, could he make a team like Brighton, Burnley, Newcastle, Wolverhampton? Like, who's he making better? Uh, do you think he could? Yeah, I think that uh, actually what you mentioned, I think that it'd be intriguing to see him at somewhere like uh, a Brighton because I think that they there's times where Malpe isn't, he's not the quality you want to finish those. Um, it'll be also be interesting to see, you know, Rian Brewster go down because I know he's he's fizzled out, um, which has been why Goldrick, I think, has been so successful because he's just, he's, he's basically it. If you're going to get a goal, it's going to come from him. But I think you're right. I think... As soon as they find out that that's going to go where they think they're, I'm pretty sure they know it's going to go that way. Um, I, yeah, I think like a Newcastle, um, although Newcastle has Callum Wilson, so I'm not really sure how that fits. But uh, I think like a Brighton uh, would be more ideal for him. Um, I'm trying to think maybe even, you know, one of these bigger clubs might like him as a as a second goal scorer. I don't know. Like it. He's 33, so that's kind of a tough spot. Um, but I think one of these lower-level teams could look at him and say, you know, that might be something we're interested in and just bringing him in here just if we need goals. Um, and I think that actually Brighton might be the best spot for him right now when I'm looking at the different sides. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pretty biased towards the boys in blue. So. <laughs> um, Tottenham, with that win, is up to fifth place with 33 points. That's, they're only four back of United after having kind of a big stumble there for a bit. Um, this is a very top-heavy uh, battle here. I mean, look, I'm going I'm to cut it off at the top six here. I, I don't see anybody below Everton actually having a chance to challenge here, right? So you have Manchester United with 37 points, Man City with 35, Leicester with 35, Liverpool with 34, Tottenham with 33, Everton with 32, then Chelsea and Southampton and West Ham with 29. So I'm cutting it off at the 32 point. I can't see Chelsea, Southampton, or West Ham really getting on a nice enough run to make up an eight-point difference. So I think for me, it's, it's these top six that are actually having a shot here. Uh, what about you, Matt? Do you think, uh, am I cutting it off right, or are you going to cut it off even higher than that? <laughs> Yeah, I'm tempted to cut it off higher. Um, can I just put city? Is that like how I'm like? I don't. <laughs> if you're if you're the bookmakers from that one show that we that when we did Hell it, yes, yes, you could the seventy percent. Just won us a lot of money. <laughs> um, I, 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 I agree with with the six. I actually think Villa. I we've kind of forgotten about them. I feel like on here because I know they've had a lot of. A COVID postponement. Yeah, recently. they have four games to make up. I would say they, I think that's going to affect them. I, you know, they definitely have the games in hand, but yet they're going to have to play so many in a span of time that I, I see that being an, an issue. But I, it, it's it's hard to say because 
I don't think there's any teams in below that six that can really make some noise. However, anyone in that six besides I, you know, I watching United even against Liverpool, like the games I watch with them, it, it is fairly easy to see how dependent they are on on Fernandez. So I, you know, if he does go through a struggle, I think that kind of drops them out. The teams that look to be the the most likely to make a run, obviously City is the the top one because they they're making their this could be their run. You know, it's always what if one team starts to win a bunch of games and that's what they're doing? They're starting to win a bunch of games, which could put them out of sight. Um, however, you don't know if they still could go through a bit of a struggle. Um, you know, it's going to be big when they go to to Anfield because. They are going to need. Sorry, my dog is going nuts right now. Um, <laughs> she's running all over the place. She's like moving the couch. <laughs> Got the zoomies. <laughs> yep, she has the zoomies. Um, um, but I, City, Liverpool, left. That to me feels like the most likely to battle for the top top spot. Um, with Liverpool, like they are struggling, they're struggling bad. But the one thing that can make a difference, it, it's it's going to be the health of a couple of players. They need Matip to stay healthy, and they need Jota to come back healthy. If those two come back and can play the majority of their remaining games, I see them going on more of a run because they can play more of their style that they they kind of want. If that's going to be enough to catch City, I don't know because right now everything's working with them, especially defensively. I even kind of thought about it that teams are drawing with Liverpool because they're sitting back and not really attacking much until like the very end, they kind of throw a few attacks in city could face Liverpool right now and not sit back. And I think that would be the worst case scenario for Liverpool right now because they would stop Liverpool with four defenders instead of seven. So I think they, they at the current moment, would win at Anfield, which would end the season. Um, but yeah, I, six, maybe three would be the, the lowest I'd go. How about you, Logan? You, you think that it's just these top six, or is there an outlier here that can make a run? Um. I'm not sure about make a run. I, I do think, uh, and call me crazy, I do think that Chelsea have the talent to at least stay in the six. Because I, I do think Everton is kind of that same ilk as, as Chelsea. And, and I'd really like to see Tottenham stay, uh, I, I guess, at the at the level they're playing. Because if they, if they drop a little bit, they also become part of that conversation of dropping a little bit further because they just don't have the players... I think talent-wise to stick around, although their defense has been really good, but that's kind of Mourinho's thing. But no, I when you really look at it, I think there's I I personally think it's four. I don't think there's I don't think those six are anywhere close. And even Villa, like Matt said, that that stretch of games is gonna <laughs> I don't know they're gonna have to play like every every day. I have no idea how they're gonna make those up. Um, but I I honestly think it's the top four. I think that you're looking at the top four right now. I don't think. Harry Kane and Son are going to be like, I mean, that that's going to require them to score both score. Uh, I mean, above 25, I think. I, and I don't see that happening because they just don't get goals much else unless it's in double a. So it's, 
I think it's the four. And I don't even sure I'm not even sure Leicester City's even much of a threat. Liverpool's gonna come back around sometime soon. I mean, Matt, I know you don't probably believe that, but I, I just am not convinced that they're just gonna sour here at the yeah, end. I don't um, believe anything until it <laughs> But again, I I do, I do think Right now, and we'll get probably get into that. I do think it's City's title to lose at this point between all of them because I do think they're on that, like Matt said, kind of on that run right now. That if they get sprinting, they're going to be really hard to catch. Well, let's move on to Manchester City. Then they beat Crystal Palace four nil. Uh, player of the game, John Stones. Who would have thought that? Right, two goals for him. That's amazing. Uh, Gundahan with a great goal as well. And uh, Raheem Sterling with a good finish. These are some really good goals in this match, actually. Uh, that John Stone's first goal, what an assist by Kevin De Bruyne, man. That was a rocket uh, right to John Stone's head into the back of the net. Uh, Gundahan had a, had a good finish as well. Uh, Sterling with the free kick outside the box to put it in the top right corner. And as Matt... Uh, as Matt stated here, with the five goals that they gave up to Leicester in one game, and they've only given up 13 overall, that's almost half of the goals, just a little under half of the goals in one game that they've given up. Uh, other than that, only eight goals have been given up, other than that one match against Leicester. So their defense is on fire. Their attack is now on fire. They've got... Um, they have what, like four wins in their last five here. How are you feeling, Logan? Uh, I feel great. <laughs> I, I do feel like they're they're in that that kind of spell now. And when if their defense plays like it's been playing, and they're not, you know, it's really tough for a defense that's been playing like this just to fall back to earth. And the way that Stones has played with Diaz, and and I think this is what City thought they were getting in John Stones when they first brought him over. I mean, he was supposed to be top talent. And he just fizzled. He had personal problems off the pitch. I mean, just it was a disaster. He's gotten he got dropped from England. It it was just not a good time for him over the last couple of years. But now that he stepped in, I, um, Diaz has a lot to do with that. He's just so solid. Uh, I think you, if you put Laporte or anybody really next to him, even Ake in them, I think it's tough. Um, just the interesting stat was uh, I remember hearing it was that City had only conceded like six goals in their last twenty games in all competitions. And there hasn't been a team that's done that since Chelsea over that stretch in May and November of 2004. Um, right. And they only gave up five. Right. So it's, I mean, they're just playing out of their minds defensively. And you're not, <laughs> you were going to have a hard time outscoring them when they got going. And it seems they have gotten going. Uh, I think that, you know, they still, there's still a little bit of concern because I, I do feel like there are times where they could go quiet because the, it, there's not an attacker that I would necessarily point to and go, that's the one that's going to get us goals. I mean, right now, it's kind of funny to say is Foden, but hell, Pep, again, I'm not going to get too much into that. It'll be a rant, but um, Pep doesn't seem to trust Foden sometimes, and it's kind of frustrating because he's probably our best attacking player right now um, with Sergio Hurt and Jesus can't score if he tried. Um, and I think Gundogan might be the next best, but I, I do, I feel confident in the way that they're playing Roz has played really well lately um and again their depth they could have guys missed for COVID and they're not affected by it really I mean we had five or six guys out and still look like a a star-studded team so that's you know depth's never really going to be an issue and I think that's a problem for teams like United and Liverpool 
uh, it'll be tough for them to keep up, I think, just because it, we're, we're so deep. Uh, it, it's tough. And, and I think the only ones that are, when, when Liverpool's healthy, I think they might be the closest thing to City as far as depth. Um, but even that's concerning because it seems like Klopp's out. So I, I do. I think City's favorites, and I'm not just saying that because they're my team, but I think they they have the side to do it. That puts uh, Crystal Palace in 13th place with 23 points. Uh, they're they're still well above getting sucked into that uh, relegation battle. Last game to talk about here, Arsenal 3, Newcastle nil. Uh, it took until the 50th minute, but Aubameyang scores. Then uh, Saka scored in the 60th minute. 77th minute, Aubameyang scores again to give Arsenal another three points they are now at 10th place with 27 points they've had three three wins uh no now four wins in their last five with a draw against uh crystal palace in there from the uh when we last spoke so they're uh they're doing pretty good now they're up to 10th they're actually only Two points behind Chelsea. Chelsea has a game in hand, though. But that's just some contrast there of how well Chelsea started compared to how bad Arsenal started, and then now the the reverse. Um, not much to say there, right? Are we good to talk about uh, the, uh, the the previews for the next game? I'll ask you a you guys a question, like. I actually think this is worse for Arte- for Arsenal and Arteta. The, the the fact that they're playing and this sounds funny, but it, they're, they're playing so well that I, I really do think they'll get back up into like this eighth or ninth spot and maybe seventh. But they're still going to be underperforming. But they're going to be thinking they're playing well. Isn't that worse? I mean, they're just going to get in this cycle of just average seasons. Like it doesn't seem like there's going to be guys that go, you know what, I'm going to go to Arsenal and play because that seems to be a good spot to go play average football. There might not be, but I, I actually think it, to a, a point Arteta has, maybe he hasn't changed the system, but you know, you, you kind of noticed since that Chelsea game when he was kind of forced into playing some different players, they've kind of continued with that. And yeah, yeah. It, it could easily stop. You know, he, it could it could like halt any second because these are definitely guys that are fairly unproven. But you know, he's kind of changed up the lineup a little bit. And you know, Newcastle's not. I can't say. I guess super impressive because Liverpool looked like freaking Sheffield um, against Newcastle. But Newcastle really isn't the top. It's like a, a very high level talent, and they still they do what they're supposed to do. They won three nil. You know, it, it, it's. I think it's something as an Arsenal fan you would like to see. You know, he's trusting the player and the talent over the the wage and the name. He he wants he whether he was forced to through injury, COVID, whatever. They're at least trying something different, and right now it's working, which I think as an Arsenal fan you'd have to be happy with. I, I would agree with Matt. I I don't think it's bad for Arsenal. In fact, I think this is this is good. We, we've talked about Arteta not being able to have that experience before with with an actual team getting through that rough patch that they went through from like what October to December. Uh, 
is is huge, especially with how they've been playing now. If he can, because now let's reverse it with how it was last year, right? Um, Unai Emery was fired, and they were already in that rough spot when Arteta came in and turned it around. This time, he had to turn it around himself, and I think with that, it taught him, uh, and it's a good learning tool and now they're all the way back up to 10th and it makes us look silly we were even talking about them getting in a relegation battle or you know getting fired um because i think now he'll might be able to you know i i do think now that going into next in the summer if they stay up this high and they give arteta another year they know what players are not playing all that hard i, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get rid of obama yang uh, they need some new blood. The young players came in and played well against Chelsea. It's affected the whole team now, where even Aubameyang scored twice today. Uh, Lacazette had been on you know, form scoring goals. But I think that, you know, people used to call for Alex Ferguson's head before he won anything at Manchester United. Um so I think the fact that Arteta was able to dig himself out of that hole and if they do give him another year, I do think you might see some more progression. I don't think they would have this bad stretch that they had this season again next season, um, in my opinion. Um, so let's uh, goals. Mo Salah leads the Premier League for as much as Matt wants to say they don't score goals. He's got 13 goals. Uh, Son with 12, Harry Kane with 12, and Calvert-Lewin still at 11 as it stands right now. Uh, so yeah, 24 total goals for Tottenham's two players at the top here. Uh, just absolutely crazy. You know, you don't even do have a have City player goal? up here. How many does Tottenham have total? That's a good question. Let me see. They have uh, 33. So only nine more goals not scored by those two. Divvied up amongst the rest of the team. Um, the current top four, as we said before, Manchester United, Man City, Leicester City, Liverpool. And the current relegation, Fulham in 18th. Spot with 12 points, West Brom in 19th with 11 points, and Sheffield in 19th with 5 points. They have Manchester United coming up, I think, here as well. Let's go ahead and look at the midweek games that we have here. I have what channels they're on, too. This was just published today, so this is good timing. Tuesday, West Ham versus West Brom. That's on Peacock. That's at 1 p.m. 3.15 p.m., it's Leicester versus Chelsea. That's on NBCSN. Wednesday, January 20th, it's at 1 p.m., Man City versus Aston Villa. They're about to play their 16th match, finally. Um, 3.15, Fulham versus Man United. That's on NBCSN. Thursday, January 21st, at 3 p.m., it's Liverpool versus Burnley in the inevitable nil-nil draw on NBC Sports Network. <laughs> We joke about that, but if you look back <laughs> on Burnley-Liverpool games, it's not usually very high-scoring. So, nil-nil <laughs> is very likely. Uh, I'm excited, though. I, I'm hoping, you know, this Chelsea team has got to get in a groove again at some point, hopefully. Um, you know, we need the wingers to either start scoring or they need to, like, make sure that they're giving them the ball 
an inch away from the goal line so the striker can't mess it up. Uh, but I, I'm sure they still could. Um, <laughs> I think Fulham beats Man U, actually. I, I, I really do. Between the way Fulham's been playing, and I think United are going to have sort of one, like one of those letdowns where they did have the big Liverpool game, even though it ended nil-nil. I, I actually think I see Fulham possibly winning that game, possibly like somewhere like a 2-0 type of victory. I, I could see United struggling. I'm down for that if that happens. So <laughs> I'm down for that. Let, let's will it into existence. Um, any other last thoughts before we head out of here? I'm with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little late, but no, I'm with you. I, I pull them at the cottage. They play well there. So I, I don't know. This would be a lot of fun just to destroy United's confidence, in my opinion. But no, that, that's so about the only that one. That... Cup game on Sunday versus Liverpool with low confidence. Liverpool wins. Maybe Liverpool mm. get the FA Cup this year. There you go. We're willing, we're willing everything into existence right now. I was willing the, <laughs> the Chelsea goals. Nat's willing the Fulham win. We're, we're all just going to make a circle here and just will that into existence with candles and everything. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Stoppage Show. Um, you can follow us on Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show or email us at Stoppage Time Show at gmail.com. Instagram at Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Logan is very good with updating scores on there and the Facebook page, really. Um, and I guess Twitter. But, you know, Instagram, it looks really nice because it takes up almost the whole page. Uh, we get a lot of feedback and comments on there as well. So thank you to everybody that does that. And that uh, that wraps us up here. So we will catch you all, I guess, sometime. Either maybe we have to do another one before the weekend. Is there weekend games? Um yeah, there's like a random few, I think, because they got to catch up. There, some yeah, there's Villa, think. Newcastle. That's the only one. Um, so we would just do that on Monday then. Oh, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll catch you all on next Monday then, because then there's games on Tuesday after that. So I think that's the way we're going to do it. And we will catch you all next time. Kane has stolen it at the death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.